This next phase in the mortgage business where it's going to be very, I think, innovative and technology heavy, that this is an amazing skill that's going to give organizations a competitive advantage. Greetings, everyone. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Mortgage Innovators Podcast where we deliver fresh and hopefully entertaining and fun insights on all things mortgage and the innovation propelling our industry forward. My name is Margaret Chiavini and I'm with Caliber Home Loans. And every Tuesday you can find our rotating group of co-hosts or what our producers have dubbed the Innovative Five, who all share their unique connection to the industry. This week, we have joining us Sue from Total Expert, Michael from American Pacific, and Dan from Finance of America. Really great to have you guys. Thank you. We're just missing Dave, and uh, Dave will be back next week. And now we'd like to thank our sponsor, Qualia. Qualia is the category creating digital closing platform used by thousands of lenders across the country to seamlessly work with their title and escrow partners. By working better together, Qualia is powering lenders to deliver a differentiated closing experience for their clients. Through real-time communications, closing status updates, and workflow management, Qualia brings lenders together with home buyers and sellers, title and escrow agents, and real estate agents for a secure and seamless closing experience. Qualia is proud to have been awarded the Housing Wire Tech 100 Award for real estate, as well as CB Insights FinTech 250 Award. Discover how you can work more efficiently with your title and escrow partners at qualia.com forward slash innovators. That's Q-U-A-L-I-A.com forward slash innovators. Okay, well, we actually have a really uh, neat topic that we're going to go over today, one that is very near and dear to um, any mortgage uh, company, and that is choosing a technology vendor. Now, it sounds really simple, right? Hey, just choose a technology vendor. Um, and what we know, and especially this group here, is that it's um, way more complicated than that, especially navigating all of the nuances, all of the intricacies, all of that that we have in our business today. So, what I'd like to do is kind of kick off the conversation by saying and asking you guys, um, from your point of view, fundamentally, what does a project plan look like when you are when you need to select um, a technology vendor? What elements do you need? What's the order? All of that? Yeah. I I can take that to start with, um, you know, for us, it kind of two different folds, you know, as we go into our process and, and one piece of it is around, is this a new technology that's solving for something that's not there at all, or are we replacing something? Um, and that, that, even though it's still kind of the same roadmap for us, that does create some little nuances, um, you know, if it's a replacement versus a brand new technology. 
Um, so I'd say that's where we start at as we're even heading into the RFP process, um, you know, where we're getting proposals from multiple vendors that are in that space. And then, you know, going through our due diligence, you know, internal. Um, for, for us, what we found really important over the last, you know, several years, which, you know, honestly, we might not have done as great of a job previously, was actually making sure that we also had a, a steering committee made up of our loan officers and originators to really get their input of, you know, what are their needs, what are their past experiences with products in that space, um, you know, as we're really going down that, that, that process, just kind of as a starting point. Dan, yes. any, any thoughts? Yes. So from a project planning standpoint, assuming we've already made the decision to move forward with, you know, such vendor or partner, um, you know, we really try to do a couple things as really as part of the contract agreement. One is um, making sure that we define what our implementation strategy for that vendor or, you know, technology may look like and making sure that we're aligning you know, the cost structure with our phased rollout approach. So, you know, we're a fairly large organization. I'm not gonna pay for something on day one for 1500 mortgage advisors when our rollout strategy is saying we're not gonna get the full launch for six months. So um, really we, we, before we, you know, execute any type of contract, really define that strategy uh, what, how you, you know, what does the implementation timeline look like? When will you be able to put your first, you know, day one users on that platform? Uh, what does your pilot process look like? Uh, what does your next second, you know, you got it from pilot to second iteration. You, you typically always know um, if it's something that's going to be injected into a process after pilot, you're going to have a block of time where you need to define that product. Um, so make sure you define that gap of time, whether that's 30 days, 60 days, whatever that may look like, depending on that technology, uh, and and into full launch and then you know continual iteration. So make sure you really define that entire implementation strategy all the way through potentially even adoption, uh, especially if you're talking with distributed retail advisors. You know we all struggle with adoption in different areas. Yeah. Uh, so depending on the impact to their process and what they do on a daily basis and how much you can automate versus how much you're going to rely on them to change processes and habits, uh, you know, could that could string out to, you know, six to nine to 12 month implementation strategy. So um, really just define that strategy um, up front, align that with your contract to make sure that, you know, when you're going into your executive team, you can be as prepared to talk about how the cost structure aligns with your implementation strategy. So, Margaret, you know, I had to be here as a technology vendor to make sure I was representing for the technology vendors that we're talking about here. But, you know, um, just such great comments from both both Michael and Dan on this. And, you know, one of the things that I would say is the most important, because I can share from, from the technology vendor side, we want you to go through a great, great process and be very thoughtful about it. But the number one thing that I would say is often missing is really for, um, I, I think it's the clarity on being, on what problem is it that you're trying to solve. Like for example, if you go to, we've all gone to the grocery store when we've been hungry and you come home with a very different set of things than if you went to the grocery store with your list and your plan and so forth. And so, and I think people will sometimes approach technology in that same way. They're like, they're hearing about somebody else doing something and they get FOMO and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go do this thing and I'm gonna grab it, I don't know what it does, but I wanna be cool too. Or, you know, like, it's like, settle down, make sure you understand 
what problem it is that you're trying to solve. You know, let's like go home, eat a big meal, make your grocery shopping list, then go to the store and know what you're know what you're after. So I think you know before anything, understand why are you even out there in the market looking for a solution in the first place? What problems are you trying to solve? I love that you brought up um, you know having a you know having your end users when you have um, it's very unique in the mortgage industry having um, your end users. 100% um, on commission, right? Because they have a much different voice than when you have a bunch of employees that are on salary. So I love the idea of having that that committee so that they've got that voice, but ensuring that everyone from you know leadership decision makers, administrators, down to that end user are all clear and aligned on what problem is it that you're trying to solve with the technology that you're looking for. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm wondering if you um, were following me in the grocery store. <laughs> next girl i mean i'm just telling yeah, you so. exactly exactly um you know what let's say let's say you don't know the vendor yet you haven't gotten to that point okay you're just you're literally to sue's point you've identified a problem whatever it is and you know you've used resources of course you know the mortgageinnovators.com resource is an incredible resource and you know you have to do something but you don't really know where to start where what what would be sort of your your thoughts and and your advice and your counsel on that you know just oh my gosh i have a problem i know exactly what i need to solve and i don't know where to start yeah for um you know for us what we have is you know we have a process through our project our pmo office um, so, you know, anytime that we're, you know, looking to implement something new, you know, we go through a full kind of project charter. So, you know, we identify, you know, what we're trying to, you know, solve for, what type of solutions we're looking for. We do research on, you know, what vendors are out in the, you know, the marketplace. You know, there's a lot of great, you know, <clears throat> different resources, websites that, you know, kind of outline some of the top players in a lot of these spaces. And then um, we go into kind of our, our request for proposal. So we all internally, uh, you know, put together what our business requirements would be for our various areas that that technology might touch. So whether it's sales facing, whether it's internal process enhancements, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, any department that would touch that system puts together their kind of their needs list, their want list, what would be the ideal solution. We put that in a request for proposal and then we send that out to the various um, you know, vendors that are in that space and then we kind of start seeing what comes back and then that's where we start kind of our process of elimination. You know, how many boxes do each of these you know, check? Which are checking the mission critical versus the nice to haves? Which things could we maybe get added to their product roadmap if it's something that's really important to us but it's not maybe there with them right then? Um, you know, are they a company that's going to offer us custom dev work so we can work at and build out some things that are going to be unique to us? Um, so that's kind of where we start is really kind of with our project team, putting together the business requirements and then going through that request for proposal process. Yeah, Michael, I, I completely agree. Just a, a couple of additions to what you said, but I completely agree with everything you said is, um, you know, leverage your peers in the industry, too. I mean, I, I do that. I do outreaches a lot to industry peers and, you know, we're all trying to really accomplish the same goal, even though some may view us as competitors in this space, we're all trying to really push the industry forward. Right. Um, so we, we all are typically fine with sharing 
you know, ideas on how we're solving a problem, especially, you know, we all get tasked with solving different problems every day. And some of them are just not well-known problems that people have solved. So leveraging industry peers is definitely something that I turn to constantly uh, to see how, how other people are solving those problems. And, um, you know, we also leverage uh, Stratmore Group a lot. Um, I would speak very highly of them. They're a great, um, you know, industry leader, really focused on, you know, mortgage and different verticals within the mortgage space to, to solve those problems. Uh, we also subscribe to Gartner as well, um, which can help with, I would say, more generalized, you know, technology uh, problems to try to see who the leader is in that space as well. Yep. And, you know, I would actually say, oh, I was going to say real quick, not even just peers, but uh, I think big miss and it's heading into Sue's direction is uh, leveraging our existing partners um, because so Great many point. of them are integrating, you know, with these other. See, I knew I knew that's where your head. I was like, oh, let me I got to give Sue the totally. plug. Sue's normally <laughs> one of the calls I make. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's exactly it. That's exactly the point I was going to make is to think about what you know, who are your current vendors already? Because what you want is to be creating a cohesive tech stack, not to have this basket of things that are kind of disparate where the data is not flowing seamlessly and it's not a part of a cohesive strategy. And I think Margaret and you probably can speak to this certainly as well, is that that has happened a lot in the industry where you've got, you know, different groups that you've, you know, hired or brought in and everybody's got their own little basket of things. And at some point you really have to say, okay, if we're going to develop something that's really going to be next level for our business and is going to create the right experience that we want to have for both our customers and our teams, you know, what does that, that unified tech stack need to be? And so Michael, you said it perfectly is talk to your current providers and figure out how does this, you know, next piece that I'm looking for, you know, what's the best solution to solve this problem based on what my current tech yeah. stack providers are, are doing. I'll just add, add on to that. So first of all, I consider you a peer in the industry. So you, you fall into that bucket. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as integ integrations are obviously so important and, you know, what Sue touched on was spot on is, you know, we nobody needs another widget that falls, out, falls outside of their, their box that they have to do something unique to use this new tool set. Like nobody wants that anymore. Um, but, you know, also vendors are now much more open because integrations have gotten easier over the years, much more open to uh, building that implementation and that integration as part of the, con make it contractual bound. Like literally, I will not turn on your system until you integrate with Total Expert or whatever that integration partner is. Make it contractually bound. Um, it's literally like part of my standard process now. Uh, I do not want to use you unless you're integrated with this partner that's, you know, basically part of our platform stack. Yep. Hey, and uh, Dan, when um, we were chatting before, you said something really neat and Michael kind of, um, dovetailed on that, and that is that they're not they're not vendors, but they're partners. Mm -hmm. And I I really like that, I, and I like that with the whole conversation that we're having. That that's what you want from a partner is is saying, hey, we have this issue to solve. We want to make sure that it's integrating with Total Expert, and you know you're our partner. So I think that's great. So, um, so true. Yeah. So I, I want to cover um, a couple more things that I think are really important. Michael, when when you all are choosing a technology vendor, 
is is it a formal project that is written yeah i'm i mean for the most part you know unless it's something that's you know very kind of you know small plug and play but anything that we're talking about that's a you know full-on system integration that it's you know being built out it's integrating into our los or you know our point of sale systems it it's going to be treated as a full project um you know just because too you know we want to make sure there's always those things that you know i can think i'm going to remember but i'm not going to remember how it's going to affect operations because that's not my focus that's not my wheelhouse we need to make sure we have somebody you know on the project team from the op side then or you know one of you know one of the various departments that could be impacted that i'm not going to think of because i'm in sales and production um so for us yeah we treat them all as a project kind of rollout um, and that's just so that we have a consistent process the way that you know some of the important things like too how are we marketing it out to our you know to our loan officers how are we driving excitement and engagement as we're getting closer and closer to the rollout you know are we doing you know are we doing rollout trainings are we doing on-site regional trainings um, you know how are we getting it into the hands of everyone and you know how are we getting them you know trained up on the tool so yeah we always are um, trying to put those into full project charters. Excellent, Dan. How about you? Yeah, pretty pretty similar here. I would say, um, and, you know, once we have, you know, uh, so we go through an R and D, you know, process, and you know, we try to keep it pretty light at first. You know, do, do we think it brings value to the organization? Does it solve the right problems? Um, you know, what does what does the value it brings? And then, similar to Michael, is we'll uh, put, you know, if it hits a certain level of of spend, um, including internal labor and you know any you know, partner costs, um, we'll, we'll put it through kind of our technology steering committee, uh, and then it will go through those processes, and we'll formulate you know what the resource needs are to be able to execute it fully, you know, out into the ecosystem. Yeah. Hey, and Sue, so when um, Michael and Dan were really talking about leverage your partners, you know, your current vendors. Is that also something that um, a current partner would do is to say, hey, let me look at your overall project plan and you might be able to, you know, see a blind spot or to Michael's point, something that was missed and say, hey, you really haven't, you know, added this aspect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the, the benefits that we have on, um, on the vendor side is that we work with, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of customers. Um, and so we can see if we've got a lot of experience with different vendors and partners to say, you know, these are, you know, these are some of the challenges that maybe we've seen come up before, some of the questions that were asked or some of the problems that were solved. Um, and so I think we're in a unique position to be able to do that. And, and I do think that that's important is when you're choosing a technology vendor, you know, I, I love that you said partner because that's the way we talk about it. We talk about even, you know, family. It's like, that's how we, we look at it is that we're, you know, we're, we are all in this together. Like, like Dan had said, we're trying to, you know, there's a lot of competitors out there, but we're all trying to advance the industry. And I, I think a really important point that you were both just touching on is, is something around change management that I think is very, very important. And I think it's often overlooked when people are choosing a new technology vendor or, you know, swapping out or adding on is, you know, sometimes if you're just adding something new and, hey, we've got this cool new thing, it's gonna be added on and you're just gonna get amazing leads pouring into your inbox. You know, people are like, sounds good. When you're saying, hey, we're gonna stop using this thing and start using this thing, that's a whole other deal. And I think a lot of times we see people, and it's one of the things we, you know, guide people through is, 
don't don't underestimate the change management that you need to do because you, your ship is in flight. You know, your plane's in flight and you're trying to take a wing off and put a different, <laughs> a better wing on. But, um, you know, that should not be underestimated. And I think it's something that, you know, again, when you've got folks like these leaders here, they know how important that is. But I'd say for the folks listening, don't just leave that to, you know, the folks who are hooking up the pipes and the, you know, the plugs and say, they'll figure all that out. I mean, you really have to, you have to, from a leadership level, lead and lead your organization through that change because some of it might be hard. Yeah. And just to, just to tack on to that. So such a, such a huge component and what we try. So I mentioned piloting and it's a big piece for us, especially if we're changing habits and we're putting that new wing on, because there's, we know some, especially in the distributed retail world, more, some mortgage advisors just do not want a new wing. Like they do not want the shiny <laughs> new wing. Like, I, I don't know what it is about that wing, but they just do not want it all the time. So like, even though we're, we're dr constantly driving value, but what we've seen some success with is use your pilot group to be the champions. Um, yep. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear from Dan Catanella, you know, some you know technical geek, digital guy. Um, but you know, you put one of their top producers on the pedestal. You know, they they love doing it too. Um, but make them the spokesperson for your new technology, and adoption will will follow from there. Yep, one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, that's great. You know. Um, uh, one thing I want to just make sure we mention is that mortgageinnovators.com did a fabulous white paper on choosing a technology vendor. And I, I think in this podcast, we're going to make that link available. It's free and um, it's an excellent piece. And I really recommend to our audience that they check it out. Um, the the thing that you guys triggered for me, you know me, I'm always looking for a competitive advantage, right? I'm always looking to reduce costs, increase returns, and wherever possible to create standard practices so that, um, you know, my organization, other organizations can implement. It takes, just like what you were saying, Michael, you just don't forget the stuff, you know? And um, I love the fact that, you know, we could, you create a template, as you said, Michael and, and Dan, it's a project plan. And so you see it across all sorts of customers. And it occurred to me, because we're always talking about innovation, that the skill of selecting a vendor is actually a skill you can get good at. And then you can literally, no matter what the vendor is, you have a template of all the thinking you need to go through, what are all the questions, what are all of the testing, all that stuff. And it seems to me as we're rolling into, you know, this next phase in the mortgage business where it's going to be very, I think, innovative and technology heavy, that this is an amazing skill that's going to give organizations a competitive advantage which is cool. So, yeah. um, okay, you said, a lot of you guys said integration. Can we switch over now, sort of on the topic of integration? Um, you, you know, people say, oh, well, we want it to integrate through API. Well, no, we want SDK. So would you guys just, first of all, would one of you define for 
um, the audience because not everybody knows, and including me, these acronyms, I, I know basically what they are, but that's about it. Will you define what does API mean and what does SDK mean, and then talk about how to think about those two things from the perspective of integration? I can I can take it I guess I'll, I'll give it a shot Michael filling some gaps um, so yeah API or application programming interface uh, and then SDK software development kit um, I, I would say S, people that are still talking in SDK world are a little legacy architecture most likely um, it typically requires a lot more effort to integrate something within with an SDK um, but there are some very mature platforms out there that have a lot of, you know, a lot more functionality through an SDK than some newer vendors have through their APIs. So, um, you know, SDK or APIs, typically you can still accomplish your same goal. Uh, however, you've really got to be cautious just because somebody says they have API capabilities or SDK capabilities, you really need to have your technical teams dive into that, uh, understand at least at a high level, you know, what I'll call a functional level, understand what the key integration points are. And if this is something that you're gonna, you know, have to build custom um, internally, then you really wanna make sure your technical team does a deep dive of that, understands the, the functional components that you wanna integrate, the, the high level outputs that you're expecting and make sure that their APIs and or SDKs are you know, uh, flexible enough for you to accomplish those goals. Um, I do just go back to what I said earlier is it's part of the reason why I like to build it into the contract, especially if it's vendor to vendor, um, because it takes you out of that mix. And unless you basically get that integration that you expect out of those two vendor partnerships, you know, your contract in essence is null and void until you complete that. So. You know, yeah. day one, you know, when I start spending money on your the technology that you're promising me, I expect this integration to do do and operate the way we agreed to. I think that was a good definition. So you did you, you did very good with that. But and I, I think you're spot on that it's it's interesting thinking about it from the vendor side because we know how critical it is. There's so many you know so many great solutions out there, and you want it you want everybody to have their own secret sauce, you know, and their their own stack. Um, and I do think that we're improving, you know, as an industry, we're getting better and better at these and, and getting, you know, a day will come when we'll go, oh, remember how hard it used to be when we were trying to like get all the data to flow and it will, you know, become much more seamless. But I, I think we've made a lot of really good traction towards it. But I, I love how Dan described that, um, ensuring that you, number one, understand what actually has to happen and what's going to be required for your company, because it's not all like, well, it's all on you vendor, you have to do all the things, you know, no, you've got things you've got to do too. And you've got to make sure that those resources are, um, you know, time wise, they're, they're people with full-time jobs and you have to make sure that your timing aligns correctly. And I think when you're talking about vendor to vendor and, and really getting that out in the open ahead of time is so important because there's a lot of things where it's like, well, who's going to build to who? And it becomes something kind of funny. I'm like, well, we're bigger than you now, so now you have to build to us. And it's like, oh shoot, but they're bigger than us, so now we have to build to them. You know, I mean, you have to, you know, actually have those conversations out in the open and make sure that it's clear so that everybody knows what's happening. We're all here to want to see the success, but you got to have those tough conversations. Yeah, and and I think for us, you know, where we tie that in too is, if I think you know, 
as we're looking at a technology to it's like you know how much what is it doing and is there a way that we can get that embedded in something else so that we don't have to create more logins you know and that's i mean you know in layman's terms that's really what the api is it's pushing data from one system into another so i can look at things in a centralized place without having to jump back and forth you know it's things like when you go and open the little widget on your phone to look at the weather that's an api pushing data for your area to show you what the weather is right now um, and so you know for us that's what we look at too is this a full-on platform or is this a tool or a widget that then we can embed in something else to still give that huge value add to our loan officers but not have to have them log into a, a, another system and we use that you know in, in multiple areas whether it's you know within our our crm our point of sale system we have different apis pulling other vendors into that environment to just create that streamlined um, access for our loan officers well, that's great, you guys. You know, one of the things that I was sort of thinking about is, you know, how we um, we want to be early adopters of cool technology. You know, when the Apple phone came out, the Apple Watch, and everybody wanted to get that. And then I was thinking, okay, well, gosh, you know, there's there are some circumstances where being an early adopter, you're kind of a guinea pig. <laughs> and all of the kinks are not worked out what where's the line between early adopting and when that can be very powerful as a market differentiator for your company as a way to promote more efficiency um, as a way really to innovate and gosh a guinea pig and it didn't work out so well such a great question you know, ahead, Michael. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny because uh, to me, it's really thirds. I, I look at it in three buckets. You're going to have a third of your your originators that are going to be that that front facing. They're always looking for the competitive edge. They're going to be sign me up, win, lose or draw. I want to be the first to see if this is an impact that can, you know, help my improve my value proposition in my market. Then you're going to have that third that's like, let me wait, I'm not saying no, but let me make sure that this is tried and true before I switch my business around. And then you've got the third that's like, I'm successful without it, I don't want it, and leave me alone about it. And those are always gonna be the hardest ones to, to, to bring along. But you know, for at least for what we see here, is a lot of our top producers are really in that, that top third bucket that they wanna try new things. That's how they become top producers as they've thought outside of the box and the way that they approach their real estate agents, things that they do for their clients. So they're really open to it. So for us, it's really doing as much due diligence up front so that they're not guinea pigs in the sense of like, you know, all the trials and tribulations, but they're really able to be innovators in applying something new because we've done our job at vetting it out and making sure that it's a viable solution versus just saying, you know, here's something, go try it, come back to us and tell us what it is. And I think it goes back to what Dan and Sue said uh, at the beginning is what problem is it solving and identifying that very clearly up front. And then that's going to help set them up for success as you, you know, roll it out, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would just add to it. I think that, you know, there's there's that fine line between, you know, cutting edge or bleeding edge and leading edge. And I would say for the most part, we walk the leading, try to walk the leading edge where, you know, it's at least been 
tested to some capacity, some capacity in a production environment. It doesn't need to necessarily show that they can, you know, have the scale of our organizations, but um, they, it's at least been tested in some some level of production environment. Um, otherwise, you know, if you're on that bleeding cutting edge and you really see something valuable, um, it it you know you you, you just got to set the expectations up front, right? And and under and let people you know understand that. You know, there's a significant amount of value for you to invest in this technology, um, but there's going to be some bumps along the road. It's, uh, you know, anything bleeding or cutting edge, there will be bruises and bangs in between. There's a reason it's called bleeding edge, right? You know? Yes. <laughs> well, or cutting. I'll say for the uh, yeah, cutting edge. Um, but I can say on, on uh, the technology vendor side, uh, it is an amazing gift when when you do have someone that is willing to be you know to and wants to be not just willing but wants to eagerly be that early adopter and knows that you know what there's going to be some bumps and there's going to be some bruises but they also deeply know we're listening and we're we're wanting this to be right and so tell us give us all the stuff and you know and and i think too you know it's a huge responsibility um when you are you know I was an originator for years, and so I deeply understand what a big responsibility it is when you're putting something into place for someone that is generally 100% commission, and these are their relationships, and this is their database, and these are their customers and people that they have fostered for years and years. It's a big deal to to go change something in that in that uh, formula. And as you know, I mean, Michael, I like how you had kind of your your thirds, and you do have that chunk of people that you could give them. A pack of post-it notes and a sharpie and they're going to be successful with that like it doesn't matter what you get they're going to be successful um but but really honoring you know at all levels in the company the fact that they're entrusting you uh with the decisions that you make and how this will impact their process and their relationships and their experience you know we take that certainly very seriously i think most technology vendors that i know really deeply do um and i know you do for for your folks as well yeah that's fantastic what about mistakes guys i mean what are what are mistakes to absolutely avoid geez this podcast isn't that long is it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the day-long special that we'll do but that is, i i think it, it you know i think it's really understanding who you're getting into partnership with i think it's the expectations on both sides um i think one you know common gap that I've seen at times is really putting it all on your technology partner. You know, you don't get the adoption that you want out of the gate and it's like, what did you guys do wrong? Well, it's like, well, no, no, no. What did we plan out together? You know, are you having resources as the lender that's dedicated to training, adoption, you know, um, attending, you know, calls, being on these things to understand what's coming out? Um, you know, for us, one thing that we really look at, even as we're going through our, our um, RFP process, is you know what percentage of revenue are they putting back into research and development you know what's their 12 24 36 month roadmap look like where are they had like i care less about where you are right now and more about you know where's your roadmap headed towards versus what we're looking to do because to me that's a partnership you know the next year that's a contract that's a 12 month out clause i i care about not having to switch my los onto another platform two years from now and so that's one thing that we really look, you know, heavily at. So, you know, it might be, you know, more of just what to be careful of, because we fortunately haven't ran into that too many times, but um, that's something that's really important for us. 
couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we look at vision alignment and roadmap for sure as, you know, it's it's a big investment for an organization to sign up any technology provider. So it's not a, I mean, people that come in and want to give you a 12 month commitment to a contract, like, yeah, that's nice, but I don't want to commit to any technology provider or partner for 12 months. Like this is a long-term partnership. Um, so making sure that you understand what their vision is, they understand what yours is, making sure there's alignment and synergy there. Uh, and, you know, like Michael said, you know, making sure that you really understand where they're going and what the roadmap is to, you know, far into the future. You know, it might interest you to know that on the vendor side, often vendors have a list of from mistakes that we have made by saying, sure, come on, you know, get on board with us and not asking the right questions to find out if that customer is a good fit. Right. And and we know this in the mortgage industry, you know, those realtors or customers where you're like, I should have never like, you know, I shouldn't have started that partnership. But we feel the same way because we don't want anybody. And I know all the technology vendor buddies that I have, I know they feel the same way. No one wants someone to come on board and have a bad experience. And so yeah. when that when that happens, you look very carefully at what happened and how could we have avoided this? What mistakes were made in their process or ours where we could have headed this off? So we actually have health scores that we look at at the companies that we're talking to as a vendor to say, should you, you know, are we a good fit for each other? It's not yes to everybody. It's yes to, is this going to be a good experience for you? So some of the things that we look at and mistakes, you know, that we've learned from are finding out, you know, what is the health of this company? You know, I mean, is the company healthy? Are they, are they growing? Are they stable? You know, kind of what's happening for them? Um, are they in alignment? Does their executive and decision-making team seem like they're in alignment or are there some, you know, big detractors there somewhere that is somebody that's in a key position who could really cause problems later. Um, does the company have the staff that they need, whether it be administrative or technology-wise? Um, you know, do they have the technical team that they need to actually properly do their part in implementing this? Because it's not all on, on the vendor. Um, are they agreeing with our best practices? You know, we have a set of best practices and sometimes you know, people say, well, yeah, we like, you know, those, but that that one, no, we're just going to do it a different way. And it's it's a bit of a red flag where you have to kind of say, well, let's make sure that this is really right for you. Um, and we also look at is there some dependency on another solution that that needs to come alongside this at the same time, right? Because that can be it can be a great experience, um, but it, it makes it complex. And so there are certain things that we've seen mistakes made by not vetting those things out. And so I think um, we and again, a lot of technology vendors um, are doing a, a, you know, a service by asking some of those questions um, and saying, hey, are we a good fit for each other? And is this the right time? Well, you really, you really showcased why the distinction goes from vendor to partner. That's yeah. great. Yes, yeah, she did. She did. Yeah. Well, thank you. This wow. is a this is a great conversation. Uh, Sue, Michael, Dan, thank you so much. We're coming to the end of our podcast. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited because I now see choosing a technology vendor as a skill that if you got good at it or when you get good at it, it really is a competitive advantage. So um, I thank you all for um, spending this time with us and our audience and um, you know, for all the expertise that you bring. I just wanna remind the audience that um, the uh, mortgageinnovators.com does have 
this white paper on choosing a um, technology vendor. And as I said before, it is definitely worth your time to uh, read it. So thank you for listening uh, to today's episode. If you like what you heard, make sure to uh, subscribe to the Mortgage Innovators YouTube or wherever you podcast. So until next time, so long. Mm -hmm.